Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the power trio of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Proverbs 24, verse 3 says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Um, We've talked about synergy before, how sometimes the, the sum of the parts is less than the sum of the whole. And the, one of the greatest examples was, was oxen, when there was a contest to see how much an ox could pull. They put one ox forward and it pulled, I think it was like 7,000 pounds. And so... The second place ox was like 6,000 something. They put them together and they thought, well, together they should be able to get close to 13, 14,000. They pulled like 18,000 together. They were able to do more together than the sum of what they were able to do apart. And I want to talk to you guys about wisdom, understanding, and knowledge and how they come together and accomplish so much in our life. Proverbs 14.1 says... The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Now, this applies to men as well as women. We don't want to be guilty of tearing down our own house. With wisdom, we are edifying our home, our family, our marriage, our kids, our community, but without it, When we act in foolishness, we literally can be our own worst enemy. True wisdom will choose to do things God's way. Someone once asked, what's the difference between wisdom and intelligence? Being smart and being wise. And the example that has always stuck out in my mind is of some kids playing in the street. If they lived on a, let's just say that it's a, a, a neighborhood where there's not a lot of traffic, and so the kids go out and they play in the street. But when a car is coming, they see a car coming, they get out of the way. How many of you would say that's smart? It's smart to get out of the way when you see a car coming. But if one of those kids who we're going to say is 10 years old realizes that his little brother who is five is watching him play in the street, Now, as a 10-year-old, he's smart enough to get out of the way every time a car comes. If he is wise enough to recognize that his 5-year-old brother is going to copy him without the, the, the intelligence to get out of the way when a car comes and therefore chooses not to play in the street, that 10-year-old would be both smart and wise. Why? Because intelligence just understood the situation. Wisdom was able to foresee the outcomes. When, when that kid, if he was wise enough to look and say, you know what? If I do this, my little brother will copy me. And, and he is unlikely to get out of the way when a car comes and then he's in danger. So I won't do that because he foresees that difference. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. The Bible describes wisdom as being an incredibly valuable, 
incredibly powerful thing. There's an interesting uh, story in the, in the Old Testament. How many of you remember King David? How many of you remember King Solomon? How many of you remember King Rehoboam? A few less. See, King David unified Israel. Israel had 12 tribes, but Judah and Benjamin and the other 10 tribes weren't on perfect terms. And David united them. Solomon ruled for 40 years over a united Israel. Between King David and King Solomon, there were 80 years of reign. Rehoboam was Solomon's son who came in right after 40 years of peace and unity. And it says in 1 Kings 12.10, the young men who had grown up with him being Rehoboam, when he said, what should I do now that I'm becoming king? They replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us. So some of the Israelites were coming to them saying, man, we had a lot of taxes. We did a lot. I mean, Solomon built a lot of things. But make our yoke lighter. And they're asking that, hey, could you, could you take it easy? And his peers said, now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. And, and basically what he said was, tell them that you're going to be tougher and more difficult and more demanding and more imposing than even your father was. And in literally a matter of months, the kingdom split and remained split for 200 years. What wisdom created and maintained for 40 years, foolishness destroyed in days. It just took just a few days for him to destroy it. Proverbs. Did I go too quick? No, I didn't. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 says, Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. This is that three-way synergy. The wisdom. Do we have it up? Oh, we don't have it up there. We have wisdom. We have knowledge. And we have understanding. Isaac, in the Bible, was single. He was 40 years old. His father sent uh, Eliezer to go find him a bride. And how did he choose the bride? Does anyone remember the story? He shows up in the place where his father the, had told him to go. And he prayed. He said, let the person who offers me water and to water my camels be the one and he he says to a woman who's there he says would you would you draw me up some water from the well and she says sure and I'll draw it for your camel she went above and beyond wisdom isn't lazy wisdom isn't looking for the minimum way to get through 
Imagine if we regularly exceeded people's expectations. My, one, of my, one of my boys got a job for the first time this year. And his boss sent me a note and said, we're so grateful for your son because everything we ask him to do, he goes above and beyond. And I shared that with him and I said, you need to keep that going forward because you will have favor. You will have favor as you go about that. Matthew 4 or 5, 41 says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Going above and beyond. You and I think, well, when does someone force me to go a mile? That's just such a random thing. But he was speaking to something in particular. The Romans who were oppressing, they were the the occupiers in that time, they had a rule that said any Roman soldier could stop any civilian and require them to carry their stuff for one mile. They had that, that was just in the law. Anytime you walk by, if a soldier was, was walking, even if they weren't going the same direction as you, if they saw you and wanted your help, it was law they could ask. And Jesus said, don't just do the bare minimum that is required of you. Go above and beyond. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven is what Matthew 5.16 says. Wisdom doesn't just gain things for us. When the world sees us acting in wisdom, the Bible says it glorifies God. Proverbs 24, 5 through 6 says, The wise prevail through great power. And those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. The message translation says it this way. It is better to be wise than strong. Intelligence outranks muscle any day. Strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you will need a lot of good counsel. What do we value? What do we value? Do we recognize the value of wisdom? If we had the choice between being powerful or wise, how many of us would choose correctly? Ecclesiastes 9.14 says, There was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it. He besieged it and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered what that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard, rather than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. It says here, words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shouts of a ruler of fools. He tells the story of a wise man who had no position, 
who through his wisdom saved the city but was not recognized for his wisdom. I I looked at that story and I thought, I have seen this playing out today. Anybody ever noticed how sometimes what people say is given value not because of what they said but because of who they are? You ever see on the news some famous singer, actor, musician saying something stupid and it's being touted like it's just amazing? Not because of what they said, but because of who they are. The Bible, this isn't new. Like that didn't show up with the television. Solomon says way back then, people listened to the person with position and title, the ruler shouting foolish things. But it, it wouldn't save them. It required true wisdom to be functionally beneficial to the people. And I think about that. It is our role to be discerning and to recognize the difference between influence that comes because somebody has a fancy-looking position and, and what is true wisdom. When we're listening to politicians, to actors, to famous people, and they're, they're saying things. Do we believe it because of who said it, or do we believe it because it's true? I could go off on that one, but we'll just keep going. Proverbs 4-7. Just put it this way. If it didn't work, Every other time it was tried. If in every other country that has tried it, it didn't work. Just because someone famous says, let's try it again. Don't don't buy it. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Obtain wisdom. That needs to be our goal. So I'm going to talk about five scriptural instructions, five scriptural things to do for obtaining wisdom. First, Proverbs seventeen sixteen says, Why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it? Value it and desire it. Listen to this. This verse stood out to me almost more than any of the others that we're going to read today. Why is there in the hand of the fool the purchase price for wisdom? It doesn't say the fool has no access to wisdom. It actually says, why does the fool have access to wisdom and then not go for it? That should be good news to us because we all know we're flawed. Wisdom is within reach. Some people might be thinking, well, you know, I, don't just, I just don't feel like I'm all that wise. So? Seek after it. Desire it. Become wise. The Bible says that even the fool, he has the purchase price of wisdom. He has within his his hands what it would take to obtain it, but because he doesn't value it, he doesn't pay for it. 
Let that not be said of us, that we could have obtained wisdom, but we weren't willing to pay. We had the time to learn. We had access to everything we needed. It was free. You realize how many amazing things you can listen to and learn right now just like on your phone? Like, I remember growing up with, in, in my, my dad's house, my dad is an avid reader and, and a listener to, to, to other preachers. He would, he would buy big old albums full of cassette tapes. And every time, every time we got in the car, there was something playing. And he would buy them. I remember him sharing that early on in their ministry that his, he had to, his taxes were being done and the person doing the taxes said, I am in shock and awe. You spent like 10 or 15% of his yearly income on obtaining books and cassette tapes. I said, I don't know how you can maintain that high of a, like, whoa. All of that is available to us free now. We, we, have, we have within our hands the price of wisdom, but will we pay for it? Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord, the respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Even if you had everything needed for wisdom, if you don't desire it and you don't seek it, you won't get it. In order to get wisdom, we need to ask for wisdom. We remember the story, the Bible says that Solomon... When God asked him, what would you ask? Ask anything of me and I will grant it. And he asked for wisdom to rule his people. And God said, I am so grateful for that response that I will not only grant you the wish, I will give you wisdom, but I'll also give you the other things you could have asked for, such as wealth and power. James 1.5, this, this verse, we all need to, to, to take ownership of it. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So if at any point you are assessing your situation and you say, I lack wisdom, I need more wisdom in order to properly make a decision about what I'm facing, what's going on. The Bible says you can ask. And it says, and God who gives to his favorites. Is that what it said? It said, God who gives to all, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Man, we can ask. I find myself praying that so often. When someone comes to me and says that they're, they're, they're struggling in a situation, man, I almost always find that one of the things I pray for them is wisdom. Let, let them have God's wisdom. Because why? Because God told us we can ask for it. 
And then he said, I'll give it to you. Imagine how bummed you would be to discover that you you had a million dollars in the bank and since you never went to withdraw it, you never got to use it. God says, I have this wisdom. You just need to ask. I promise I'll give it to you. So, ask. Like, often, frequently. James 1.21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Number three. So number one, we value wisdom. Number two, we receive wisdom. We ask for it. Number three, to receive wisdom, we need to go to God's word. The Bible says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. God's word needs to be our source. I think about... I have twins who are 15 years old, which means driver's training, which means riding along and and, and educating. And I can tell this story because now you won't know which one of the two it was. No, actually, it it, it happens with every kid as you're, you're, you're coming along. You say to them, do this. You know, turn right. Go left. Do this. Do that. And, and I remember we were in a parking lot, and one of my kids, I said, you know, do this. And they, they didn't. Now, nothing bad happened because we were moving at three miles an hour, and we were in a parking lot. But I said, that's not okay. If I ask you to do something while you're driving the car, I need you to do it. It's like, well, I didn't understand why you asked. That's fine. I won't always have time to explain to you why I'm asking. If we're driving and I say, stop, I need you to stop. Not, well, I wasn't sure why you said it, so I just didn't do it. Right? No, I I need them to trust that what I say has a reason even when they don't understand it. Now, do I want to explain my reasons? Absolutely. That's the whole point of of teaching. So I'm often saying, you know, do this. And then for the next five minutes, I'm explaining all the reasons why. That's what we did back there and and why it's important to always do that. But they don't necessarily know and see in advance what the reasoning was. That's how we need to treat God's word. Some of us have gotten in the habit of obeying scripture only when we understand it in advance. We're like, well, God, I'm, I'm going to do that one because I get it. All this other stuff, you know, if, if you've got the time to explain it to me, maybe I'll obey. See, we need to receive with meekness the word. What does that mean, the meekness? Not thinking too highly of ourselves. Receiving the word, recognizing God's word is an authority over me. It has a reason. I think about, you know, the kids who ask why over and over and over and over and over. Until 
despite as a parent, you wanting them to learn, at some point, your response is, because I said so. What does that really mean? I don't have time to explain it all to you right now. Or you're not mature enough yet at three to understand all of the reasons behind, you know, why I said this or that. God's word needs to be our trusted source. We need to receive it with meekness. We don't demand. No, we want to understand God's word. I say that. But when you know that God's words, what God's word said to do, and it's clear that is what God's word says to do, then we need to obey. Which leads us into number four. We accept God's word as his voice and authority in our life. We will not advance in wisdom if we maintain ourselves as a higher authority than God's word. If we, if we consider our read of the situation to be superior to God's word. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 10.8, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a pratting fool will fall. We must choose one standard, and that standard must be God's word. There's a saying that says, a man with one watch always knows what time it is. A man with two is never quite sure. Many of us are living our lives with two or three or four or five watches. We look at scripture and occasionally we'll use that as our guide. And occasionally it's what we remember our parents telling us. And occasionally it's the values that we've picked up from society and television and and we're we're comparing it all and we're saying well I I don't know about about this because the what the Bible is asking me to do doesn't seem popular with society right now no we need to establish wisdom recognizes that God is the source of truth truth is not relative No matter how sincerely convinced you are, the truth of God's word is the only truth. We need to recognize, number five, realize that Jesus is the supreme manifestation of wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Colossians 2.3 says, In whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, speaking of Jesus. Jesus isn't just a historical figure. To embrace wisdom, we must embrace Jesus, receive his word, and choose to live by it. Choose to make it the standard. If you aren't clear about what the Bible says about a situation, I get that. Seek counsel. 
Talk to someone. If you hear someone say, well, the Bible says you got to do this, and you're kind of like, I'm not sure that's really what the Bible meant. I'm not telling you you have to do everything that someone says the Bible led you to do. But when it is clear, when you see in Scripture and you know, this is what God asked me to do. Man, we, we shouldn't question that. Paul praised the church that, that after hearing what he said, went back and searched the scriptures to make sure what he said lined up with scripture. Do that. Do that. But when you know what scripture's saying, oh man, don't ignore it. Don't choose to read from a different clock. Well, I, I, I'm... I'm not so keen on that particular aspect. Colossians 2.3, in whom are hidden all treasures and wisdom and knowledge. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. I'm going to preach to you and to me. Right now, the Bible says to articulate your plan, says to write it down. Is it followable? Have you clarified as a person what you want to do? Someone was asking me recently about their, their teenager. And, and I think they were 19 years old. You know, they're, they're an adult. You know, I can do anything I want. And they were starting to make some dumb decisions. And they said, you know, what are I doing? I said, well, I said, what are your son's goals? He says, I don't know. He wants to take a year off. I said, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with a gap year if it has a purpose. And, and I had the chance to talk with, with their son, and I, I said, what are your goals? Because here's the thing. When you don't have goals, everything's a good idea. You get up this morning, I think I might just stay in bed. Why not? doesn't conflict with anything I was planning on doing. Don't have any goals. Oh, they've legalized marijuana? Why don't I just try some? Why? Well, it doesn't conflict with anything. Now, if you have goals and you say, you know what? I'm trying to remain employed. Well, my employer's doing drug checks, so I better not do that. Suddenly, what your decisions have purpose. And when you have a purpose, then suddenly everything isn't a good idea anymore. Well, my goal, whether it's in athletics, I'm trying to, to cut down my time and run under a, a six-minute mile, or I'm trying to, to save up a certain amount of money, or I'm trying to get into a certain school, or I'm trying to get a certain degree, or I'm trying to, to get a certain type of job, or I'm trying to raise a certain type of family, or I'm trying to <coughs> excuse me, win the heart of a certain type of man or woman. 
You know, if, if you're, and I talked to that, this, I said, if you want to find and marry a godly girl, guess what? You won't do that acting in an ungodly way. The type of girl who you want to find and marry is not going to be attracted to you jobless, high, living in your parents' basement, right? Now, if you've got a job, you've got a plan, you could be in the basement, that will be okay, but you have a purpose. You, have a plan. you will attract, right? If you have a goal, write down, know what your purposes are. This is true for people, it's true for businesses, it's true for our church, it's true for, for families. There was a study of Yale graduates, 3% of them wrote down their goals. 20 years later, they found that all of those that had written them down had achieved them. That was shocking. All of them. If a plan, just, just food for thought, if a plan is from God, it will take more than just you to accomplish it. Don't be afraid. What do you do? Find counselors with proven track records. The less qualified someone is to give advice, the more likely they are to give it. That's just true. People with horrible marriages always want to give marriage advice. People with no money want to tell you what to do with yours. Look for someone with good advice. Think about the story of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was following 80 years of success in Israel. And instead of asking his father Solomon's advisors for advice, the Bible says he went to his peers, his buddies, the kids who came up through school with him. We're going to do things different now. What do we need to do? They gave him terrible advice. And he split the country in just a matter of days. Seek loving counsel. People you trust for advice should be people concerned with your success. The Bible says this in Hebrews 12, 6. It says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens or corrects. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Why does God correct us? Because he cares for us. He desires what's good for us. God corrects us not to hear himself talk, but because he loves us. Proverbs 27, 6 says, more faithful are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. The person who talks who desires what's best for us. Proverbs 20, verse 5, Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Ask questions. I'm going to read this again. 
Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. I want, I want to take a moment to camp on this. Most of us have this idea that wisdom and counsel are like a fountain or a sprinkler. If I just get somewhere near somebody smart, wise, then they're just going to splatter their wisdom all over me. Right? Like, hang around with somebody who has good answers that, you know, you'll get, you'll get smarter. Not true. I remember my, my father is a very successful pastor, and he, he has for years had a habit of visiting small churches throughout Michigan midweek to, to try to bless and help the pastors. And I remember going with him countless times to visit different churches. And we'd go to a church, and he'd go there and he'd preach, and afterwards the pastor would invite him to, you know, Applebee's or something. We'd go down the street and we'd be eating afterwards, and the pastor would be talking, and he'd be talking about fishing, and he'd be talking about deer hunting, and whatever he'd be talking about. And, and when the, the dinner was over, we'd get back in the car, and my dad would say, so what did you notice at that church? says, tell me one or two things that they could do that would help them grow. And I would make a comment. He'd be like, yeah, and they could do this, and they could do this, and they could do this, and they could do this. And I remember saying, I said, Dad, how come you didn't give the pastor that list? He didn't ask. I said, well, doesn't he want to know? And he said, unsolicited advice is seldom taken. The Bible said there that wisdom, let's, let's read that scripture again. Um, now if I can find it on my page here. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. That means the person who has good counsel, it's like deep water. It's a well. You have to reach down with the bucket and pull it out. But a man of understanding draws it out. You don't get around someone wise and get splattered. If you get a chance to be around someone wise, ask questions. Be the man of understanding who draws that wisdom out of them. Because if they are as wise as you hope they are, they have learned a long time ago that giving unsolicited advice just offends people. If he shows up at a church and says, by the way, you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong, and you're doing this wrong, and your services are too long, and nobody wants to listen to you talk that long, you're not that good. And you, you know. My dad says he's not that good. He says, nobody wants to listen to me talk more than 35 minutes. Okay. Nobody wants to hear it. Ask. Ask questions. Seek it out. Seek out those answers. Proverbs 15, 12 says, A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. So don't be a scoffer. Recognize where wisdom is found, it's found in Scripture. It's found in people who are following Scripture with their lives. Get around them and ask questions. Learn on purpose. You don't accidentally become wise. Say that with me. I will not accidentally become wise. But I will do it on purpose. All right. Let's close with that. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have promised 
wisdom for each and every one of us. You have said you will give it to us liberally, Lord. I just pray that you would inspire each and every one of us to ask and to seek wisdom in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our studies, every aspect of our lives, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, anoint us with your wisdom, surround us with others who we can grow from, who we can ask questions of. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you know that you're right with God, your sins are forgiven, raise your hand. That's awesome. If, if, if you saw that and you said, I would like to know that, but I'm not sure. The Bible says, know that you have salvation. Then it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. We talked about it at the beginning of the service. How he died so that we could be forgiven. It's not automatic. He simply asks that we request it. He says, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. If that's you, if you would like to know that you're saved, if you want to confess with your mouth, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. Every eye closed, just a moment, just raise that hand and we'll pray together. If you're watching us online and that's you, we're going to pray. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I believe that you love me, that you died for my sin and rose from the dead. I accept your forgiveness. I choose to make you the leader of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.